From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, this is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And in this episode, we are talking about the need for support for the Archdiocese. The Archdiocese for the Military Services is the only Catholic Church jurisdiction responsible for providing pastoral care to the men and women who serve our country in the military, as well as Catholics hospitalized in the VA medical centers across the country, and civilians working for the federal government beyond U.S. borders. The Archdiocese receives no money, no money from the U.S. government or the military, and that means we depend on you, dear listener, to support the pastoral care and services that the Archdiocese provides those who serve our country. And in November will be an excellent time to uh, provide your support. There are two events, major events coming up in November. First of all, there is the Triennial National Collection for the Archdiocese for the Military Services. It's a collection, a special collection that will be taken in parishes throughout the United States, a collection approved by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops back in 2012. There have been two of these collections previously taken, one in 2013 and again in 2016. And this year, 2019, uh, is the date that we'll have the third a national collection for the Archdiocese for the Military Services. Uh, November 9th and 10th Masses, the weekend of November 9th and 10th, 2019, the uh, special collection will be taken up for the Archdiocese for the Military Services in civilian parishes across the country. But in uh, the chapels on U.S. military installations, there are uh, no second collections. So folks in the military will have an opportunity to respond to the Archdiocesan Appeal. You can find out more about the Archdiocesan Appeal at www.millarch.org slash AMSAppeal. AMS, standing for Archdiocese for the Military Services. And you can find out more about the National Special Collection at millarch.org slash national collection. National collection, all one word. And joining us by telephone today from Joint Base Lewis-McCord in Washington State are Lieutenant Colonel Greg Tomlin and his wife Elizabeth Tomlin, both active in the Catholic communities on their uh, installations. Uh, welcome, Greg and Elizabeth. Thanks, Taylor. Uh, and uh, let's start. Uh, let's start with you, Elizabeth. You are past president and director of stewardship for the Military Council of Catholic Women. Uh, how important is it to your family uh, to have uh, Catholic priests, Catholic chaplains available? Uh, wh- where you're stationed. Taylor, it's, it's absolutely essential that we have Catholic chaplains and, and priests at our duty stations, and, it, and for that matter, wherever Greg might be stationed, because we're not always necessarily together. There have been times where he's been stationed overseas, and I've been, I've been taking care of the kids at home, but the threat of being able to, to go to Catholic Mass, um, to lean into the great of our marriage, and also to have the pastoral support from our priests is absolutely essential. So um, on, on our current military installation, we have, we have 
uh, five Catholic chaplains, um, and, and they're all assigned to units, so they're all directly assigned to the soldiers. But through their support, we have a really strong network of, of Catholic women's ministry so that, you know, each week our Catholic women's group um, meets together and supports each other. So there's a network of, of Catholic military women um, who, who are able to gather and support our families, even even when our priests are with our units, but, but with the support of our priests. So the ladies um, are really able to, to get the support that they need from people who share their same values in a way that, that you might not get, um, that you really, you really can't replicate anywhere else. There's like an esprit de corps, I think, in military chapels that's, that's very hard to, to emulate. How many children do you have? We have three kids. We have a 17-year-old. Um, our daughter will be 14 next week. And then we have a six-year-old. Very good. Uh, Colonel Gregg, uh, t- tell me a little bit about your experience in the field uh, on deployment. Uh, what kinds of interactions uh, typically do the officers and enlisted men have with the chaplains? And uh, give us your own uh, experience. I think there's two parts to that question. The first part is we need to stress the ecumenical uh, availability of chaplains in the military. And the reason I want to raise that is I'm a battalion commander right now, so I have 600 soldiers in my formation. Uh, We have a a Protestant chaplain who is in our organization. And that chaplain is able to provide um, counseling and family care and marriage counseling, regardless of the faith background of the individual soldiers. And that's important because here in Garrison, they start to know the chaplain and gain his trust. Next week, we head out for a 25-day field exercise. So they'll be away from their families for that period of time. And if they have challenges that are personally distracting them from their jobs, then that chaplain is a resource for them. And we do have Catholic priests, of course, that are chaplains, um, but you're not guaranteed that you're going to see one during one of those exercises. Um, but the second part of the question is the importance of the Catholic chaplains, um, making them available in each of the installations across the United States and overseas. I've spent about 11 years of my life overseas, all four years of high school, uh, growing up as a dependent on military installations, and then seven years of my Army career has been in Germany and Korea. And the availability of the Catholic chaplain is important because they come to where you are uh, to provide a Mass and probably the most memorable mass I've been in is uh, in the middle of a significant challenging period in Iraq. Uh, they brought a priest out in an up-armored Humvee to a building where I was guarding a provincial governor with my platoon, and we went up to the governor's conference room, and there's large bay windows, and he was celebrating the mass in the governor's conference room overlooking the city where days before we had been significant uh, battles with the enemy in that area. Uh, but they still make the point of finding ways to bring the chaplains to you. And there is a Catholic uh, a shortage of Catholic chaplains. Uh, how, how is the Army managing that? Uh, skillfully, I guess, is the best <laughs> way to describe it. And, and there's, there's two pieces to it. Is One, you have to look at assigning chaplains to a base, but being aware of who on that installation is going to deploy. So that will the priest stay and be the, the, the person on the garrison, or is the priest going to deploy with that unit and be there for the soldiers? And then um, you can talk to Elizabeth more about the details on how we find contract priests and retired priests who come in and help to celebrate the Mass. 
for those who are still in garrison, provide the CCD and the sacraments because the chaplain may be deployed on an installation. Uh, the other part of it is our last chief of chaplains, who was a Catholic priest, was looking at ensuring that those Catholic chaplains are promoted. Um, in the Army, it's still very much an up-and-out system where you have to have certain jobs and you have to do well to be promoted. And so he has worked hard to say that we need to get those priests into the units and not just be a garrison pastor, because if he's only a garrison pastor, he's not going to be promoted to lieutenant colonel or to colonel, because he simply won't have the same level of responsibility that a division chaplain would have, that a brigade chaplain would have. And a brigade has 4,000 soldiers. A division has 16,000 soldiers. So these are large, and you want to make sure that the Catholic priests are visible there. In my last brigade where I served, I was fortunate to have a Catholic priest as the brigade chaplain. Um, but that was very unusual because of how few we have. And so it really is a, a challenge to get them to the right units, get them to the right garrisons, and ensure they're still promoted so they can continue to serve. And just to give our listener a little bit of background, the reason for the shortage is that uh, Catholic military chaplains are reaching retirement faster than they can be replaced. And the Archdiocese for the Military Services is running an aggressive uh, uh, vocations effort to recruit uh, new chaplains, and those efforts are beginning to pay off. The co-sponsored seminarian program has grown by leaps and bounds over the past uh, 10 years or so. Back in, uh, in 2007, uh, we had only about uh, seven men in the program. Now we have a record high 47, 47 men who were in seminary become Catholic military chaplains. Uh, the underside of that is that the archdiocese is having to reach deep into its pockets to pay for the seminary and education for these uh, chaplain candidates. And uh, that is uh, one big reason why uh, the Archdiocese is coming to the faithful and asking for your support. And again, the, um, the uh, uh, National Special Collection for the Archdiocese for the Military Services will be taken November 9th, 10th, the uh, Sunday Masses that weekend of November 9th and 10th, 2019, uh, and um, in the, the military where no second collections are taken, uh, military members can contribute to the Archdiocesan Appeal. You can find more uh, information about that at millarch.org. That's millarch, short for Military Archdiocese. millarch.org slash AMS Appeal. Uh, and as for the, uh, the National Collection, uh, you can find more information at millarch, M-I-L-A-R-C-H dot org uh, slash National Collection. Um, Elizabeth, uh, in, your, uh, in your role as a member of the Military Council of Catholic Women, uh, you get around and, and uh, uh, meet with and, and, and uh, have fellowship with other wives and, and women who are in the military. Tell me some, some give me some perspective on, uh, uh, on their experiences and how the... Um, how the presence of chaplains, but also the presence of an archdiocese that provides uh, religious education programs, evangelization, uh, a tribunal, sacramental records. How does that all, all that affect the practice of Catholic faith among families uh, as shared through the women that you associate with through the Military of Council of Catholic Women? When I was the, the president of, of the MCCW just a couple of years ago, and I'm still really involved in, in the archdiocese and women's ministry, 
I've, I try to take the opportunity when I can to, to go to the various retreats. So the MCCW does about seven retreats annually. So we do four in the continental United States, which are regionally, so western region, central, southeast, northeast, one in the Pacific region, which is usually Hawaii, um, and then another retreat in Korea. And we always have a retreat each year in Europe. And in addition to that, MCCW gets women at a forum every other year. So women from around the world, so we'll have women from Germany fly in throughout the United States, Hawaii, Korea. And this year we're, we'll be meeting in San Antonio in April 2020. And there are always there are always a couple themes that come up at, at these gatherings. One is that the friendships that we build with other military spouses just just can't be replicated. Um, the, there's a camaraderie there and a level of, of understanding of, of each other that that makes the gathering of, of Catholic military women essential because we're able to, to walk a path together that other people other people don't. Um, in addition, we have, you know, Catholics have, we have lots of kids, and we have um, lots of religious education. So our, our MCCW women, a lot of them are, are catechists, and thankfully through the archdiocese, we have um, a faith formation curriculum so that if your child, and, and our, our Office of Evangelization does a great job getting these resources out to the military installations, but our faith formation curriculum is such that if your child starts religious education in kindergarten, in where we are right now, Joint Base Lewis-McChord, and then next year you have to move to Patrick Air Force Base in Florida, the curriculum that you're using, the themes of the curriculum for kindergarten, should then build towards second grade, first grade. And so it's a, so the AMS has created a, a curriculum that spirals so that the, the students receive you know similar themes over time, but instituting an archdiocesan curriculum, no matter where you are in the globe, um, ensures that there, there won't be gaps in your children's education. And, of course, the parents are the primary catechists of their children, but to have that resource from the AMS is something that the, that, of, that all parents have benefited from within the archdiocese, and it's something that the MCCW women um, are particularly active with because so many of us are catechists. So really the, the fellowship, the catechesis that we get with our military archdiocese is, is key. Um, and then two other areas are every time I go to a retreat, I can't tell you the number of military families I know that um, the couple, when they're, when they're young, they want to get married, but somebody's deploying the next week. So they get married very quickly because it's what, it's what they want to do. And oftentimes they don't realize that if, if you're Catholic and you get married outside the church, there's a process you then have to go through to, um, to, to have your marriage um, to be validly married in the church. And whenever I go to an MCCW retreat or a forum, there are women talking to each other about their experience with the with the marriage. We call it the marriage tribunal, but the office within the AMS that helps people either either um, convalidate their marriage, so become married in the Catholic Church, or um, or apply for annulments if they've had uh, past marriages but want to be back in full communion with the church. And it, it is a conversation I have at every single retreat I go to. People want to know um, how they convalidate their marriages. Um, but then on a, on a happier note, another thing that the MCCW women love to do in a way that they really rally around the, the military archdiocese is the MCCW women love supporting our seminarians. We have, like you said, I think four, 47 um, men who are in seminary and will become military chaplains 
And the MCCW ladies, through individual donations, like you said, we don't have second collections at military chapels, but the MCCW ladies give um, over over the course of three years, we fundraise and with, you know, five and $10 donations, the ladies um, throughout the world were able to raise um, over $50,000 to endow a scholarship so that their their scholarship fundraising will help to support the seminary education of of a of a man who will become a military chaplain, and that was really through, you know, biblically speaking, they call it it's the widow's might, but it's really kind of the the military wife might um, that that scholarship came to fruition. So, so you really the these you know my my peer group Catholic military women rely on the archdiocese, but also give give back, give so much to the Archdiocese. So it's, it's something we're very fortunate to benefit from. We're talking to Elizabeth Tomlin and her husband, Lieutenant Colonel Greg Tomlin, uh, at uh, Joint Base Lewis-McChord. They're joining us by phone from there. Um, Colonel Tomlin, uh, can you uh, recount any episodes where a chaplain made a difference uh, as you were going into combat? I'm not sure about going into combat as the right example, but definitely of having that as a reassuring presence throughout the deployment uh, has been very important. Um, the chaplain that I deployed with to Kosovo was the same chaplain who was with us when we went to Iraq, uh, but we were dispersed throughout a wide area in a province, and so we did not see a chaplain very often. Uh, it may have been several months between each of those visits, um, but Father Kelly was from Rhode Island, and I'm sure he's retired by now because this was 15 years ago. Um, but he would come in, however, whatever means of transportation they could find him, if he was in a cargo vehicle, if he was in a Humvee, they flew him in by helicopter from time to time. Um, but in one particular service where we had the opportunity to have the chaplain there, uh, that earlier that morning, about 4 in the morning, my platoon had gone out to conduct a raid, and one of our Humvees slipped off the side of a culvert and plunged into about 8 feet of water, but one of the doors was still available that they could escape. If they completely run over, they would have all drowned. And we conducted the mission and came back, and then by noon there was this service, and there was a significantly larger number of people at that one service than you would usually see. And I made the comment that, you know, it may have been a very scary experience that you just had today that's brought you back here, but I hope that that would be a good opportunity um, for you to consider returning to this service and here with the, with the priests that we have. And I had mentioned earlier how we have chaplains, and, and they don't have to be Catholic to be a chaplain, and so they are going to be ecumenical in their nature. On the reverse side of that, I remember going to Mass in Kosovo, and they brought the priest in the night before for the evening service. Um, and so the night before Christmas, we had a priest come in uh, to provide the service, and we had uh, officers and soldiers there, and there were several contract civilians. And during the prayers of the faithful, the priest invited everyone to provide their own um, prayer. And one of the individuals there said that he was praying that he would have his faith renewed. And it was the fact that he had been away from the, from the Catholic faith for a while, but because he saw the ecumenical efforts of the chaplains to bring people together, that he felt comfortable coming back to this small group of people on this outpost in Kosovo for the Mass. Um, and that was his prayer that night. And 
chaplains like him would not be available if it were not for the Archdiocese for the Military Services. All the Catholic priests who serve as military chaplains in the United States military are endorsed by the Archdiocese for the Military Services. Without that endorsement, they cannot serve. Um, as we mentioned earlier, though, the, the military does not provide funding for the Archdiocese for the Military Services, nor does the government. And that's why we depend on the public entirely uh, for survival. Uh, on November 9th, 10th, the weekend of November 9th and 10th, Sunday Masses throughout the United States, there will be a special collection taken up for the Archdiocese for the Military Services. You can find more information at MillArch, M-I-L-A-R-C-H, that's short for Military Archdiocese, millarch.org slash National Collection. If you're in the military uh, and uh, attend Mass uh, on deployment or at installations where there are no second collections taken, you can still contribute by contributing to the uh, Archdiocesan Appeal. You can find more information about that at M- at MillArch millarch.org, same website, slash AMS Appeal, AMS short for Archdiocese Military Services. Elizabeth, I know that uh, I've been at uh, events where you've spoken before, you and other members of the Military Council of Catholic Women, and you've shared some of your own personal experiences where your association with uh, with uh, members of that organization, which is affiliated, by the way, with the Archdiocese for the Military Services, uh, helped you in your um, uh, maternal responsibilities, taking care of your kids and uh, shuttling back and forth. Can you share one or two of those with us? Uh, so, so, yes, so at one point when Greg was on an unaccompanied tour in Korea for a year, he had left in July and our youngest was seven months old, so that would have made our, our middle child about eight, and then and then Patrick, our oldest, was twelve or thirteen. And um, and I was working and and doing you know holding down the house and doing all the things that that military spouses do. And I was um, coming home from work and picking up a daughter from violin lessons, and my my cell phone rang, and it was my my son who told me that he had broken his arm. And, of, of course, trying to be the mom, I said, oh, no, you didn't really break your arm. You're fine. Just lay on the couch. There are some frozen peas on it, and I'll be, I'll be home. And, you know, by the time I got home and I, I, took, I took a quick look at his arm, and it was, it was clear that he, he had a broken arm. It was contorted in all kinds of directions. And so I, I took him to the ER. I took all the kids to the ER, and I had, I had no cash in my wallet, and it's dinner time, and the kids are hungry and laying on the hospital floor. It was just a mess. And I, I remembered a friend of mine she would always lean across the pew and she would say, hey, Elizabeth, if you ever need any help, you know, please call me. And I, I didn't want to call people because I wanted to be self-sufficient. But that's, that's really not the point if you're, if you're living in community with other people. So from the ER, I, I called my friend Nicole and I, I said, hey, Nicole, it's Elizabeth. Will you, will you come help me? I, we're at the ER, and, and she did. She came to the ER, and she had this double stroller, and it was February, so it was cold, and she had this double stroller all loaded up with blankets, and she put the baby in the stroller. She took Hannah, and she said, you know, I'll feed the kids. Don't worry. Take as long as you need. And so Patrick and I stayed at the ER until about 11 o'clock at night, getting his arm set in the cast, and then, and then when we left, 
at this point, Greg had been gone July, October. Greg had been gone about seven months. And when we when we got to her house to pick up the kids, Hannah was sound asleep. And as I went in the living room, her husband, who was active duty in the army, was asleep in a rocking chair, kind of rocking back and forth with my son on on his chest. And it was it was a moment where I realized you know what what good friends I had because I needed I needed help in that I needed someone to come to the ER. But at that point, George hadn't been rocked to sleep by a dad in months. But on this night, um, it, it did my heart really well to see a dad enjoying rocking my baby as much as my baby needed to be rocked to sleep by by a father. And and Greg couldn't do that. He was able to to call us um, in the emergency room from Korea, but he wasn't able to be there physically. So that's just one of the I mean one of the many ways that our our military families reach out and support each other, no matter no matter the situation. Um, you know, it's it's not uncommon for, you know, if, if we find out somebody in the community has a need, that dinner arrives at their house, and you might not even know the person who's bringing you dinner, but, but somebody brings you dinner. The, the military communities, especially the, the chapel communities, are very, very good about taking care of, of one another. Um, I guess another story would be this, this summer, as soon as we rolled into Joint Base Lewis-McChord, we had been driving cross-country for a week because we were PCSing from Washington State or Washington, D.C. to Washington State. What is PT- we, but, but, sorry, what is PCS? Oh, PCSing, uh, permanent change of station. Thank you. military jargon for moving. <laughs> so as we're moving from Washington, D.C. to Washington State, we hadn't done laundry in a week, so we pulled up to the laundromat on post, and I hear someone yelling my name, and I turned around, and it was a friend I had met through um, a military, through the military archdiocese, Several several years ago, and it turns out that we're now stationed in the same place. And then, and so, you know, as we waited for our houses to be ready, we were both living in hotels for about a month at Joint Base Lewis McCord, and we would we would call each other to link up at the laundromat so that at least we could. She has five kids, I have three, so that at least, and you know, I just have one little one, but at least we could help each other as we folded laundry and tried to corral the kids. So just, there are lots of, there are big ways that we help each other, but but really lots and lots of little ways that we we help make our our military life more fun. The military life uh, carries with it its own uh, challenges, including the uh, transient nature. Uh, You all move around a lot. Uh, Elizabeth Tomlin, past president and director of stewardship for the Military Council of Catholic Women, which is affiliated with the Archdiocese for the Military Services, and her husband, Lieutenant Colonel Greg Tomlin, talking to us today from Joint Base Lewis-McChord and sharing stories about how Catholic chaplains and the practice of Catholic faith in the U.S. military makes a difference. Uh, However, we depend on private giving for survival. Um, on November 9th and 10th, the weekend of November 9th and 10th at Sunday Masses uh, at uh, Catholic parishes throughout the United States, a special collection will be taken up for the Archdiocese for the Military Services. You can find out more at millarch.org backslash national collection, all one word, 
MILARCH, M-I-L-A-R-C-H, so that's short for military archdiocese. If you're in the military and uh, are not uh, able to contribute to the national collection, you can contribute to the archdiocesan appeal. Find out more about that. Go to millarch.org forward slash AMS appeal. And year round, you can always go to millarch.org forward slash donate if for some reason you uh, miss uh, contributing the weekend of November 9th and 10th. Lieutenant Colonel Greg Tomlin and Elizabeth Tomlin, thank you so much for joining us on this special edition of Catholic Military Life.